welcome to episode 24 of Role Play Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Courtney Stover of Lighthearted Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands and the tabletop roleplay gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. Adam Wazelnuck is the founder of Sword and Source and co-founder of Legend Keeper. Sword and Source is a collection of random generators, most notably Here Be Taverns, which was just nominated for an Emmy Award. Adam was actually one of my first listeners of this podcast and reached out to me to say hello a while back, so it's been super cool watching him grow over the last several months. Breton is actually a contributing writer for some of his generators, so I've also gotten a glimpse of some of the -the behind-the-scenes work that goes into these creations. Adam tells us all about these generators today, but we also discuss the strategy he used to grow a following before he even had a website, the importance of email marketing, and dig into all sorts of analysis and processes. This conversation definitely made my little project manager heart happy. So I know that those of you who are more into processes will definitely enjoy this episode. As usual, I've got a few items of business to go over before we jump into the interview. It's been a few episodes since I mentioned this, but we have a whole bunch of map packs over on DMs Guild. Our most recent publication is a copper bestseller of an all-color map pack for Candlekeep Mysteries that highlights sections of the book that didn't come with their own maps. We are pretty close to hitting silver on that pack, so I would love for you to check it out if you plan on playing through Candlekeep soon. We also have a silver bestseller black and white map pack for Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, specifically for Yathrin. You can find all of our map packs by either going to dmskilled.com and searching for Lightheart Adventures as the author, or you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash shop to find all our DMs Guild and drive-thru RPG publications in one spot. Some other ways that you can support the show are via our Patreon page, which has a few different tracks depending on whether you'd like maps and adventures or tailored content for this podcast, which includes contributing questions for upcoming guests, a spotlight on our website, and even a shout out on this podcast. You can also subscribe to the show and make sure that you're following us and sharing it with your friends. And another way that you can help support is by checking out our affiliates, like Friday Afternoon Tea. Friday just released her fall teas, and I am 100% channeling my basic white girl self and buying all of them. Seriously, listen to these names. Pumpkin Chai, Caramel Apple, Harvest Spice, Maple Hojicha, Pumpkin Pie Rooibos, and Warm Heart. I cannot wait to try them all. If you also want these delicious-sounding teas or want to try her very large assortment of nerdy teas, Go to FridayTea.com and enter in code LIGHTHEARTADV to receive 10% off your order and help support this show. Thanks for sticking around, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Adam. All right, I am very excited today to introduce you to Adam Walzelnuck, the co-founder of Legend Keeper and founder of Sword and Source. How is it going, Adam? Hey, Courtney, it's going really well. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm really excited to dig into all of the really amazing work that you've been doing recently. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Yeah, of course. To kick things off, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into gaming? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, I think, I guess the story with gaming for me started quite a long time ago with like video games in sometime in the early 90s. I, you know, I got really into Nintendo and it just kind of kept going from there. Uh, from there, it moved on to like fantasy literature. I became obsessed with fantasy books ever since I was in grade four and someone handed me a copy of The Hobbit. It was just like all I could think about and read for many, many years. And so those tended to be also the types of video games I would play. I was was really into like RPGs, um, like Final Fantasy and stuff like that. And then so kind of keep going from there a little further along the timeline. And we get to about 2011. And I forget what the prompt was, but it was like somehow I kept hearing about uh, Dungeons and Dragons, this thing. And I was like, I don't know really what this is. I don't really understand it, but it sounds like it's probably for me. Uh, So I started like looking into it and still couldn't figure out what the heck was really going on there. But it was pretty clear that like the interest was pretty clear. So what I did was uh, that was the year I got married and I asked my brother to, for my bachelor party, just organize a D&D game for me. So he did and we played and I was like totally in love with it. Then I, you know, started playing sort of tabletop role playing games around that time uh, and just continued doing it, kept getting together with friends and playing D&D. So at the time it was fourth edition was like the one I started on. Uh, And eventually I shifted into like the game masters seed and I got like that was kind of the main thing I did for a couple of years. Yeah, so that that was really how I got into gaming, you know, and then sort of like video gaming led to tabletop games. I, I think the other thing that happened around there was I, I started to realize that there were more board games out there other than just like Monopoly and uh, got really obsessed with those as well. So that was like all around the same time. And then my wife and I just like played as many board games as we could for many years and then, you know, the big change that happened in our lives were uh, we beca- we became parents in 2016. And so the gaming kind of slowed down, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, so there's a bit of a, a dry spell there while I was figuring out what it meant to be a father. And, you know, got I also got really interested in my career. Uh, so I, I spent a lot of mental energy on that. But the cool thing is I'm back now. I've managed to like find time for gaming in my life again. And so really still going strong and still have a lot to explore. I feel like I'm relating to a fair amount of your story right now. And mm. I I guess right as I was ending college that I realized there were more than like six board games out there. Yeah. Why is that <laughs> such a secret? <laughs> like, I know, right? It's weird. Yeah. I remember walking into an actual board game store for the first time in Chicago and just being like, what is this? What a feeling, right? What a feeling. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know those existed either. And then I sought them out and found a couple in Ottawa where I live. My favorite one is Wizard's Tower. Shout out to them. And it's just like walls and walls of these beautiful artifacts filled with Mm -hmm. wonder and ideas and things. Yeah, I love discovering all of the different worlds and creativity that's out there in games. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I attribute a lot of like my recent uh, choices, which, you know, we'll talk about at some point 
a lot of it really is like that story for me personally just wasn't finished like it wasn't it wasn't done it kind of just got paused for about five years and so there was more to explore here yeah for sure are you currently playing in any campaigns i am yeah my we we get together once every we try once every two weeks sometimes that slips a bit but i'm playing in a campaign with my brother and some friends my brother usually runs the game but sometimes we trade like some other people run the game it's like a homebrew setting that's pretty broad strokes uh, and it's kind of we're on like the will settling some sort of like frontier in the wilderness and just going off on a bunch of like random uh, small quests there's a few threads that hold the whole thing together but that's been kind of the format that's worked best for us because we're all pretty busy. So no like really big uh, dramatic story arcs. Like we try to keep things kind of bite-sized. And it's been a lot of fun. I'm playing a fighter for the first time named Cassian and having fun with him. I chose fighter because I thought it would be interesting to try and keep the combat engaging with, without having like all these spells and stuff. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's interesting. I've been trying to figure out recently, like what the most popular classes are uh, mm, for you know yeah. reasons. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, right. Wink, and wink. yeah, like fighter is the most popular according really? to D and D Beyond, which I find oh, really interesting. interesting. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I never thought of that. It is a great one to introduce people to the game. I think like it's it's a nice one to ju- kind of just pick up and run with if you've never played before i think mm-hmm. yeah you're just like it, it's very intuitive what a fighter would do in a, in a fight right? <laughs> you would hit things with your weapon and try to maybe throw up your shield once in a while um yeah i'm trying to i've been trying to do this sort of like more cerebral version of a fighter like a little more analytical trying to leverage positions on the battlefield and things like that but with, with some mixed results, I, I'm not very good at the uh, sort of like statistics crunching and stuff that some people seem to be incredibly good at. So some of my moves, I think, seem better in my head and then kind of fall flat when they play out mechanically. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, I'm having fun. That's what matters. At the end of the day, that's that is what matters. That's yeah, what's important. Exactly. Yeah. I actually got this was a great suggestion from my brother. My brother, he said. Hey, whenever you make your first sale, you should like commemorate that somehow. Um, and the way I did it was I went on, oh, what's it called? What's that like really awesome 3D character building website? Uh, Hero uh, Forge? Hero Forge. Hero Forge, yeah. So I went on Hero Forge and I got a 3D print of Cassian, <laughs> which is on my shelf now. And it cost a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so cool. It's like my little commemorative Cassian on the shelf. That is really awesome. I I always make it just for the mock-up, but I haven't actually invested in the minis. Honestly, we have a bunch of like paper minis too. Yeah, it's pretty steep. They have to cover, I guess, a bunch of their fulfillment costs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it, the quality is definitely there. So if you ever do, go ahead and buy one. Uh, they come out really nice. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's switch gears a bit. And I would love to hear from 
straight from the source. What is Sword and Source? Great question. What is Sword and Source? <laughs> Sword and Source is, it's hard for me to explain succinctly. It, like really what it is, is it's just like uh, a name, a brand uh, under which I do a bunch of tabletop RPG projects, which so far have all been websites. Uh, the reason it was sort of fleshed out like that was because when I started it, which was about a year ago, I didn't know what I wanted to build yet. But I did know I really wanted it to be something to do with like tabletop role playing games. So the way I decided to execute on that plan was to kind of come up with this this name, Sword and Source, and then start just uh, building projects and, sh- and shipping things and experimenting. Like I've tried a few different little things. I've shipped a few little projects and had, you know, different amount of success with, with each of them. But what really worked well for me was having that that overarching umbrella, which I could continue to develop and uh, use to sort of leverage each successive thing that I, I put out there. Rather than, you know, an alternative path could have been like, I come up with an idea and then I launch the idea under name A and then I come up with some other different thing and I launch that under name B. You you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Sword and Source was kind of like the home base for all of these ideas and experiments and that's worked out really well. What would you say was your inspiration for getting started? The, uh, you mean getting started on Sword and Source? Yeah. Particularly? Yeah. The the inspiration really was what we kind of talked about at the top. I just felt like there was this huge amount of energy inside myself related to like this world of fantasy world building and tabletop role playing games, and it needed an outlet. And I just like hadn't, there's some itch there I need to scratch. I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew I needed to build stuff here. Uh, and so that was really the impetus. Mm-hmm. It was like, I, I need to, I need to continue this story that like for me really does go back to when I was a kid and, and read the Hobbit. Just like, I've always been drawn back to like this area of, of interest. And so that was, that was one part of the equation was just feeling like I had this, this personal interest and this need to explore uh, further here. The other part of the equation was I decided that for the next phase of my career, I really wanted to try building my own business. It's never, I've never done it before. So for a lot of reasons, personally, it it made sense. It seemed like the next most exciting challenge for me to take on in my career. And so those two, those two factors came together. It was like, okay, I know I want to go out on my own and try and build a business. So the next question is like, okay, well, what am I going to, what am I going to build? And then I also know I'm like really obsessed with tabletop role-playing games and like everything around them. So I, I, I just put those two things together and Sword and Source was, was born from that. Okay. So I really want to dig into the hows and kind of the timeline. And so once you got to that point, like Walk me through, like, what were your first steps? 
on getting this figured out? Yeah, that's a really good question because what you'll find when you start these large creative endeavors like creating a business, uh, you'll find that I think there's there's no real one path to success. It's not all laid out and you, there was absolutely a sort of like wide open ocean effect at the beginning. It was like a little overwhelming. So the f- the first most important thing I did that I would recommend anyone trying this path was I start I put a frame around things to to constrain myself a bit. Uh, and the, the first most important frame really was deciding to focus on uh, tabletop RPGs because if I had not if I had not had that frame, I think I would have gotten lost pretty quickly. My energy would have been going in too many different directions because there would have been too many numbers of possible businesses I could try to build. Uh, and I've seen people do this. Uh, so I know it's it's a trap you can fall into. So the first set of constraints was it has to be related to RPGs. The second step I took was kind of two things. The first one was I I understood that I didn't know what would work. And I understood that the only way to know what would work would be by making connections with people, like real people in the space, and by actually putting myself out there, putting work out there. Um, So that was really important to me. It was like, I have to be releasing something and I have to be talking to people. And so that was sort of step two. And then step three was, okay, what could I release first? I actually had a few side projects that I'd started in the past. And so I was able to use them as like a springboard to decide on what the first things I should create would be. The first thing was this website called Novus Bestiary, which I had built as just like a passion project when I was on paternity leave. So I already had that like asset, right? And what it was, was every two weeks, I would write like an email covering a different mythical creature because I just thought I I wanted to learn more about mythology. And I thought a really cool lens to learn about mythology would be uh, by studying like specific monsters and creatures. And so instead of keeping that to myself, I, I put it out there into the world and said like, hey, if, if you're interested, you want to read these, like you can sign up and get like an email. So when I went out on my own and decided, okay, I want to start a business, I want to keep it in the RPG frame, I already had that side project. And so I just, I invested a bit more in that and launched like a full on website, which you can go see today uh, at novusbestiary.com. So that was uh that was the first thing, and then there, there was a lot more after that. But those were those were sort of the three very important like first steps that provided some sort of framework and an approach for me personally. It was like number one, what's my frame? What's my like north star direction or place I really want to plant my flag? Uh, and that's RPGs. <laughs> number two it's incredibly important that I put myself out there and that I talk to people. Number three, what can I put out there? I can, I should start by leveraging some assets I already have uh, going. Yeah, I think that is really smart. It is so easy to get started and not 
necessarily know exactly what you want to do, but just kind of have a vague idea. And Mm -hmm. while there's nothing wrong with that, it does definitely make it more challenging to not have like a clear path. Absolutely. Yeah. I think like I have, I'm personally can be like overly analytical sometimes, you know, I like think too much about things. Uh, And I think that's a trap here. Like the truth is you just don't know what's what's going to resonate with people and it really helps to just like set something set some sort of concrete very short term goal around something you can release and put out there as quickly as possible like that really worked for me i am really interested in how you started to get the novus bestiary out there um so it sounds like mm-hmm. you had an email list going on before you even had a website. Was that correct? I did. Yeah. It's, it was born as the idea was born as an email newsletter. Actually, this is a really good concrete example of how I scope things down so that I can ship them quickly. Um, when I first thought of Novus Bestiary, the very beginning, I thought to myself, okay, I really love mythology and I want to get serious about learning it. How do I want to do that? I really like monsters. I really like bestiaries. Like I, I like I collect them. Like I buy them off Kickstarter all the time. I just love opening them, looking at the pictures, right? So I was like, okay, if I was gonna make one, how would I do it? What would be like the perfect bestiary for for Adam? And the answer to that is ridiculous. It's like for me, what I would actually like to do with Novus Bestiary is create the most comprehensive like knowledge base on monsters on earth on the internet (laughs) i want to cover i i want a fully customized like illustration uh for every single monster that exists which is an almost infinite number of monsters because if you include sources from what i think of as modern mythology like video games and like all the monsters variants, uh, you quickly come up with like thousands and thousands of unique monsters. Like it's a never ending list. But this is what sprang into my head first. It was like, I'm going to make this website like no one. It's basically Wikipedia, but just for monsters and illustrated to the level of quality that like the TTRPG world would expect. That's what was my first idea. It's like make this amazing, huge thing. But then it's like, okay, obviously it's cool if that's the dream. I can still keep that in my head, but that's like unreasonable, right? That would take decades and like, you know, infinite kind of resources. So how can I do something uh, sooner, right? And it's like, okay, maybe I can just do a simpler website without illustrations because I'm not an illustrator. uh, And then I can just kind of write about the monsters, okay, how many monsters would I need to write about to make a website? I don't know, maybe like 50 or something. Okay, that's still like hundreds of hours of work. How can I scope that down further? Okay, you know what? Maybe instead of a website, I just write the article, right? I just write about the monster and I just get that to people somehow. Maybe email works. That's a pretty easy way to just like get text into people's hands. Um, and maybe instead of writing 50 before I launch, maybe I'll just write one. Maybe I'll just see if people even want this, uh, this thing. Actually, like this was a, a, a passion project. So I was going to write these for myself anyway. 
but I just kind of put it out there. I put up a website that was one page only with one form on it that said, hey, I'm going to write about a new monster each, uh, like every two weeks. Actually, I think at the time it was each week. When I first launched, it was each week. I'm going to write about a new monster each week uh, for myself. Like, do you also want to read them? Uh, And a bunch of people signed up and that's how it started. And then I just wrote one every week and just kept writing one and writing one. And the whole time in the back of my head, I still had that dream of like a big website. So the way I, I wrote the email newsletters in a more structured format, knowing that one day I would turn them into like code on the internet. And then one day, like when I, when I left my job and started sword and source and, and saw the potential here, uh, I had those, like, it wasn't 50, but I forget. I had like maybe like 30, 30 articles written about 30 monsters. And I'm like, okay, that's enough for a website. And then I, I put in the time to like come up with some kind of design and like put it on the internet. That is really, really cool. <laughs> like I, it's such an interesting journey and just how that started. And I'm also kind of just geeking out about like the analytical path that you took there. Cause I'm also pretty analytical. Nice. Yeah. You, you understand me. Then. I do. I, do. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that it, totally yeah. makes sense. <laughs> But it's really cool. This is one of my favorite things to do, by the way. So I'll put the invitation out there right now to anyone listening. If you have this like idea and it's just too big, one of my favorite things to do is chat with people about how to cut it down to like its absolute minimum core, like the core idea uh, so that you can actually like put it out there into the world. I love doing this. <laughs> Note to self, gonna chat with you later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's often as simple as that. And it was really validating, right? Like just be, just putting up that one field, that one form. And I was like, hey, do you wanna read my do you wanna read my stories too? And like I forget how many people it was, but like more than I thought, like like 15, maybe 20 people were like, yeah. And they like gave me their email address. And I was like, that's super cool. Then it's like then you're really excited to start like writing it. Mm -hmm. It's one of the kind of business gurus that I follow to talks all the time about, like, even if you don't have a product yet or a website, like just still start with an email list, like get yourself. Absolutely. This is absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. Um, We could go on and on about email in general. (laughs) There's like a bunch of other reasons you should start with email. But yeah, for now, I'm just focusing on this like kind of scoping process I went through. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Okay. So that does lead me to the next question in the timeline is that once you had Novus Bestiary going and again, you mentioned that you left your job and then started Sword and Source. So talk Mm -hmm. to me about that decision process on how you knew that, like, did you know that you were ready? Like, was it just kind of something out of your control? What was that like? Yeah, that was a really hard decision. That was uh, one of the hardest decisions I've ever made for sure. It honestly, it took like probably a couple years, I think. If I trace, if I like trace the roots of the decision back to like where the seedling was, was planted, I'd been tossing this idea around in my head for a couple years, really. I can tell you sort of the genesis of it, I think, and then try to recreate my thought process up to the moment of of actually leaving. 
But basically, like I was in, uh, I was working in tech at a really cushy job at a at an, at an e-commerce company called Shopify, and it had been like absolutely amazing. It was like a really, really great job, and I had learned a ton, and had been doing doing it for for years. And I remember one day sitting there and reflecting on like like it was so good and so engaging as a as a problem and a chat personal challenge for my skills that I was kind of just happy doing it for like a long time right I wasn't thinking about the future because I was very engaged in the present but at some point that changed and one day I remember sitting there and thinking to myself okay this job is amazing it's like everything I could have ever hoped for what can what could possibly follow this? Like it was almost actually more like a moment of fear, if I'm being honest. Like I was kind of afraid. Like, is this is this the peak? Right? Like, is this have I kind of found the the most challenging thing for myself too soon? And it's just downhill from here. Like, what could possibly surpass this? And that, that was kind of the genesis of, of this, this change in my life. And then so after much tossing around of that and thinking it through, it, it, it started to, I started to feel like I think, you know, the, the only way to follow this up for me personally that makes sense, uh, that's interesting, would be to try to like build something myself. I think that would be like the next most intense challenge that like would really engage me and also it it was partly that it was like wanting to step up and do a new challenge it was also partly because of just the the skills i was interested in developing at shopify a lot of the focus for me was on developing technical skills and organizational sort of team skills but i was getting much more interested in like learning more about marketing and product and business and I wasn't sure how that would happen within that company. So these these factors all came together. And then I was still happy there and so still kept going for quite a while. But when it hit the boiling point was really just one day I just sort of noticed that my engagement, my, like my intrinsic motivation, my engagement with the work had just kind of dropped to a point where I was feeling like I was just kind of, you know, enjoy i was enjoying my my team and like hanging out with them more than than the product and like the process of the uh, problems in front of me and that was kind of like a big signal for me to 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 find something else and to move on and to start this like next arc um which is like try to build my own thing which by the way courtney like so far i'm loving it uh, but it has only been a year so like the jury's still (laughs) out on whether or not this is like the ultimately the best path for me like it's right so far so good so far i'm having a blast but we'll see we'll see what happens so that's pretty much it so it was was very much voluntary it was self-motivated i guess i just didn't feel like i wanted to keep climbing that ladder at shopify you know instead of kind of going into senior leadership there i wanted to go back to sort of like being a novice in some new skills and trying to build something myself I completely understand and relate with that. It's oh, sounds like we have similar history. <laughs> yeah, it, this uh, 
I'm definitely still in that trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do next? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's always the question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, entrepreneurs. I love introducing you to new creators every episode, but I could really use your support. I would love to invite you to join our Patreon page where you'll gain access to behind the scenes content, add your questions to upcoming interviews, and you could even receive a shout out on our site in an upcoming episode. To learn more, go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. And now back to the show. So talk to me about Here Be Taverns. I would love to hear just, oh, you yeah. know, like, I guess we should start with what is it, but then how that idea came to be, how you started it, and just the journey that that's taken. Yeah, definitely. Here Be Taverns is is definitely my favorite and clearly the favorite of the uh, community, the RPG community so far. It, it started actually in 2015, believe it or not. I was just getting into uh, the tech industry and I wanted to do a side project and to, to, to learn, like to learn some programming skills. And I was like, Hey, like I really like RPGs and it would be fun to do something there. So even back then I like, I wasn't as conscious about like what I was doing at that, at that time. But even back then there were like preliminary signs that I would be like in this space someday. So I was like, oh, like I'm going to make a side project and it'd be fun to just like randomly generate a tavern. (laughs) So I made a website, like a web app, and I called it Here Be Taverns, which is like a pun on, you know, Here Be Dragons. And I just, I went with it. And what stood out with that project was it was the only side project I ever actually finished. I've like started many side projects and they just kind of go nowhere. Like they end up stuck in a folder on my computer and they kind of die. But something about Here Be Taverns was just fun enough for me that I kept going and I actually released it. So if you look at like, I haven't checked myself, but I assume if you go look at one of these like internet archive services, you would be able to see Here Be Taverns, like the first version back from like 2015. It was like a lot uglier and it just generated taverns. So that was it. I, sh- I And then I left it there. So it just was on the internet, happily generating taverns for people for five or six years, I guess five years. And then fast forward to the sword and source creation, right? And if you remember what I was saying, like the sort of third step I took in knowing where to start was taking stock of things I already had to kind of go faster or like have some momentum. And I already had Here Be Taverns. It was sitting there on the internet for like five years. And apparently, according to Google Analytics which I got rid of because I don't like Google Analytics, but that's what I had then. It um, Apparently, people were using it. People kept coming back every month for five years to use Here Be Taverns to generate a tavern. And I was like, that's really cool. So I have this website. It's been, it's been generating like SEO juice for five years. And more importantly, people like, real people get value out of it. They actually come back repeatedly and keep using it. And guess what? I haven't touched it in five years and I've learned a heck of a lot about building web apps in those five years. So I was really excited to 
basically start from scratch and do version two. And so that that's what I did. That was my second project um, as Sword and Source. I launched the Novus Bestiary website. I continued to write those monster articles every couple of weeks, but then I, I kicked off my second project, which was I'm going to rebuild Here Be Taverns from the ground up, add a few features and like polish up the the user interface, make it like kind of leverage more of the skills that I have now from my experience. And so that was started in, um, I think, November-ish, if I remember correctly. And it took like a little over a month, like maybe a couple uh, months to get going. And then I launched it in like January. And it was like, it was a really fun project, but I never, I never, I never took it super seriously. I was more like, uh, I just, I'm going to do this because I just really, really want to. But I launched it and the reception was amazing. Like so many people liked it. I got really, really positive signals from like social media and things like that. Like when I launched it compared to my other projects, it was like night and day. Everyone was, you know, interested in the other stuff I released, but Here Be Taverns stood head and shoulders above the rest in terms of like the the resonance in the community. So I was like, holy smokes, that's really interesting. And this again, like I, I'll just keep harping on this point forever because it's so crucial to me. I never really could have predicted that. Like the only reason it like it was so important to actually just release that thing and then see what happened. I, I had no idea there would be such a positive reception. So I, I continued to invest in it to sort of get it to where it is today because of the reception. But yeah, I guess I, I forgot to answer that question. But to summarize, Here Be Taverns is a collection of random generators for fantasy game masters. I have a whole bunch of them in there now. There's like, you can generate a town, an, an NPC, an item, a faction. Uh, right now, still working on encounters. There's just a bunch of stuff like that. And it's it's really useful. Personally, I use it a lot to get inspiration when I'm trying to write or put together like a game session at the last minute. <laughs> like I'm very last minute sort of prep person. So Here Be Taverns like saves me all the time with just like generating ideas really quickly. So it started as just taverns. How long did it take for you to decide to add additional things? Yeah, so it was just taverns when I released it in 2015. And it sat there for like five years. I think at some point I added characters. Like I added like a characters page because I realized the tavern, like the taverns always had characters in them. So I was like, oh, I might as well like have a separate page if you just want characters. Like, why not? That was it. And then it's it stayed like that for five years. When I started the project last November to do version two, I knew from day one that I wanted it to be more structured more as a collection of many generators than just like taverns and characters. So from the very beginning, I had planned to do five. I did taverns, characters, items, plot hooks, and landmarks. It was structured in a way that like, those are the five I'm launching with, but if I potentially want to add more, it won't be too hard. I know that you've got some that are free and then you've got premium. What was the decision that went into like, which ones are going to be free and which ones are going to you know be premium that you need to charge some for? Yeah, great question. So the way that worked was 
I actually never planned to release premium ones when I launched it. That just wasn't even on my mind. I was like, I'm just doing this for free. It's a, it's fun. It'll be like another project under my belt. And it's another potential way to collect email addresses for some future where I do have some sort of paid product. But because the response was so good, like people were so, were, were really loving it and using it all the time. At some point I had this decision, like I, I wrapped up a project and then I was like, okay, I have a decision point. Do I start like project number four, something totally new? Or do I start, or do I invest more in Here Be Taverns and try to turn it into a revenue stream? And when I looked at how many people were using it, I was like, you know what? I think it actually has a shot at being like, I think I could actually potentially sell something on it. And in my mind, like I was really aiming for speed and, and therefore simplicity. So for me, the most, like the simplest possible business model was to release premium generators that are like a one-time purchase uh, model. Uh, and so once I decided I wanted to do that, I just came up with, I had this like list, this backlog of like other generators, just ideas. And I, I thought like, oh, these ones interest me the most. Uh, and those were factions, towns, and encounters. And so I didn't, I didn't even know what they were going to look like yet. I didn't have some grand plan or design figured out. I just put it up on the website as like a, a sort of like a, uh, what would you think of that? Like kind of like a trailer. I don't know. I just put it up on the website like, hey, I'm going to st- I'm going to be releasing premium generators. I'm going to release factions, towns and encounters. Uh, and like if you want to know about that or like get a discount when it launches, like leave your email address. So I just like left it at that and then I started work on them. And then so the actual design of those three took place over the the next couple months as I built them. The other, I think, cool thing I did, and again, this was kind of a hard decision, actually, this one, but worked out really well and goes back to my sort of key strategy of like shipping as quickly and as often as possible, is I actually launched the first one. I launched Factions and started selling it before the other two were done. So it was like anyone who sort of bought it at that time was was essentially trusting that I would finish the other two, uh, which I definitely did. But I was I was really like happy to see that people had that faith in me, and like it was another moment of like really great motivation and encouragement when like those first few sales rolled in for just one of the three premium generators. Yeah, that, and I bet there was definitely some trust already built from everything that you already had so it's like okay yeah sure. for sure i think that was a, a factor mm-hmm. like i've i've always like I, I always like release like an email newsletter on like a very regular cadence uh, mostly don't miss those so yeah i think that was a, a huge fact are you actively adding more things to each of the generators or is it kind of like once you hit a certain number of encounters taverns etc like you're done with that one yeah it's been a little bit inconsistent for that it's more of like a kind of a feeling than a science i always tried to hit at least um for me the number was 300 i always tried to hit 300 things before launching one because i want the first like the first launch the first experience to be 
pretty good. Like I, I would hate for someone to see too much repetition in that like first release. But is in terms of the the ceiling on them, I don't really know what that is yet. I haven't been adding as many recently because I've been busy with like a new project. But like in theory, it could never stop. Like I could just keep adding, adding stuff forever. And I would like to. I would definitely like to add more content for all of them. Uh, right now, the focus is encounters. I think it needs more. But yeah, I guess that's kind of like my ballpark to launch is around three hundred, and then the ca- the cap on that is kind of infinite. It just can go on as long as I can possibly find the time or money or energy <laughs> to keep uh, adding stuff. And three hundred is kind of a misleading number because. The way the generator works is it takes, uh, I build it in spreadsheets and they might have like 300 rows, but then it takes like multiple sh- spreadsheets with multiple lists and and glues them all together using randomness, right? Uh, it's like rolling on a random table in the Dungeon Master's Guide, but you're rolling on like 10 at the same time and kind of patching them together. So even though it's like 300 like line items in a spreadsheet, the actual number number of possible generations is like some huge number that is not worth calculating. It's like <laughs> essentially essentially infinite, right? It's like three hundred times three hundred times three hundred times whatever. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done that math. It's not worth it. It's like millions, hundreds of millions, probably. Okay, so just to make sure I understand correctly, for example, your tavern list that includes NPCs would like also be pulling NPCs from the NPC random list. Exactly. Yeah. It's like nested generators, turtles all the way down. That's very cool. (laughs) This is a good, uh, so the tavern one, like you can even make this a smaller section. So like taverns have names, right? So it'll be like the bleeding sparrow or something. That's like a, a list of like bleeding is like a list of adjectives. There's like hundreds of those, maybe like a thousand now. And a sparrow is like a noun, right? There's also like thousands of those. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like the number of possible tavern names is like a thousand times a thousand. Yeah. And then the cool part about building this kind of app and like continuing to release new generators is I found like every time I added a new one, I ended up having some huge list of new things. So... I was able to sort of go back and retroactively improve the possibility space on all the other past generators. It's like, okay, to do this one, I want like a list of minerals. Oh, now I have a list of minerals. Now I can use those in all these other ones. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, that just keeps going. That is really cool. <laughs> yeah, there's sort of like this compounding effect you get when you just keep adding generators. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I know that you've got a couple of different people credited on your website for us for helping with like art and some of the writing stuff. Um, at what point did yeah. you realize that you needed help getting this all together? Yeah, that was one of the best decisions ever. Um, <laughs> I was, I'm so lucky to have had those collaborators. That decision actually happened really early. Uh, it was like during the initial build phase, I was still writing the code and designing it and I kind of went through each of these things and originally I was planning on doing it all myself, but one day I sort of woke up and I was like, wait a minute, this community is full of like really talented creators and writers. Like they're awesome. 
and they're way better than me. So like, I think it just would make a lot of sense if, you know, I think we would have a better end result if I could like put their stuff in here and then in, in return, you know, hopefully support them, like hopefully get more traffic to those, those great creators. So I went around and reached out to a few people uh, and they're all, they're all listed there on the website. You can see for each generator who helped there. And yeah, they've, they very generously sort of offered some of their content um, in return for that attribution. Uh, and I hope it's working out well for them. I don't, I don't, I haven't followed up, so <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's worked out really well for me. So I'm hoping like, I, I'd like to think like a good chunk of that attention has like gone to them as well. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I feel like we could talk forever because I'm just so interested, but uh, as a listener, you hopefully know that this question is coming, but I like to ask in every interview. <laughs> Which is when you look back over the last, you know, year or so uh, since you say that you went full time, or even like you know when you started here at Taverns five years ago. Just looking back through your journey, what would you say it has been the most challenging part? Hmm. Great question. The most challenging thing for me was this moment that I realized that I just don't want to be a solo. Uh, founder like i do i do my best work and help people the most when i'm working on a team and i had this realization at the end of the year so it was like around december sort of turning into january i was like okay this is really fun i'm enjoying sword and source i'm enjoying you know my newfound entrepreneurship thing but I do not like working in a silo by myself every day. It's just simply not for me. So that 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 challenge, that pain, um, it kicked off a process of like you know, kind of a background consideration. As I continued to build Here Be Taverns, I sort of thought about this problem and started to explore ways I could work with a team again. And I'm really happy to say that I found an unreasonably good solution to this problem and have had the pleasure of joining the legend keeper team last month. So I have a team again and they're great. And I think we're going to build something really, really special. Yeah. What can you tell me about the legend keeper team? Like, are you allowed to say what you're working on? Yeah, we work on a world building app called legend keeper you can check it out at legendkeeper.com. It is, uh, in my biased opinion, the best software for world building, period. And we're just getting started. Okay, that's a bold claim. I like it. <laughs> well, I, I told you it's biased. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's something people will really uh, appreciate. Uh, we really believe in sorting sort of like supporting the creative process of the world of like world builders uh, rather than trying to railroad them into our process and it it makes a few things trickier when it comes to building the software but it's like a price we're willing to pay is there kind of a timeline for when it might be available for either testing or release it's it's been released for a couple of years you can use it oh. right now yeah 
It's uh, if you go to legendkeeper.com, you can join. It's still in, in beta. We have a few um, major things we want to figure out before we call it version one. But if you pledge on Patreon, you can you get access to the beta and you get access to invite a bunch of your friends to your world. Awesome. Courtney, you should check it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Come I on. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> uh, okay. So to flip things around and go back to, we were just talked a little bit about what's been challenging for you, but what about when you look back over the last couple of years, what would you say has been the most rewarding part of getting into the sword and source journey? It's gotta be like, again, it's gotta be the people. This is like, was the biggest challenge for me, but it's also the biggest reward. The amount of creativity and kindness and it, just enthusiasm in the TTRPG sort of sphere is just mind blowing. Like it's amazing. I've I've made uh, a lot of great connections that I, I'm sure will last a lifetime. I've just been inspired by seeing all the stuff p- other people create in this space. Uh, and I know I haven't even started like meeting everyone. Like there's going to be still many years ahead. And, you know, I hope to go out to like the conferences and stuff like that someday and, and just meet more people. It's been amazing. I like can't believe how, how nice it is around here. Yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite parts too. Yeah. It's the best. So I know that we didn't necessarily get a chance to talk about all of your projects and things that are out there. So is there anything that's upcoming or anything that's newer that we haven't talked about that you're excited about? Absolutely. Would encourage anyone who's who's interested in w- what I do next to check out Legend Keeper. You can go to legendkeeper.com. I actually just started a new uh, newsletter for Legend Keeper, which is focused very much on very action-oriented world-building stuff. So we've we've only released one issue, but I'm going to be releasing those monthly. And I think that anyone who likes to like create uh, fantasy worlds for their players or for themselves or for readers, and who also likes to like learn new skills and tools and get things done and shipped, will really like this newsletter. And yeah, just in general, like check out Legend Keeper. I'm super excited about it. And like I said, we're really we're just getting started. I think it's going to be incredible i've only been working on it for a month so we'll see how it is in like three five years i think it'll be amazing that's awesome yeah i'll definitely make sure that i've got links to that in the show notes but adam thank you so much for coming on today this has been really interesting oh thank you courtney thank i'm so glad you invited me i really like this podcast i listen to it all the time (laughs) that makes me really happy to you too (laughs) so adam where can people find you you can find me in I'm hanging out in the Legend Keeper Discord all the time. So you can come in there. If you go to legendkeeper.com, there's a link at the top to our Discord community and I'm just like hanging out in there all the time if you want to just bounce ideas around or talk. I also still check out Twitter every now and then at Sword and Source is my handle for just like talking to me. And you can also email me, Adam at legendkeeper.com. All right, perfect. Well, again, put all of those in the show notes. But seriously, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Courtney. You just finished another episode of Role Play Grow. 
To check out the show notes from today's episode, you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at lightheartadv for our business account or at WCR for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. You can also find us as Lightheart Adventures on both Instagram and Patreon. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Role Play Grow.